Right then, this is Paul Andrews and welcome to Be Positive on men's and women's radio stations. Be Positive is the show where I chat to a wide range of motivated and positive people to find out more about them, to get their stories and to try and get as many ideas that they might have that you and I can benefit from. My first guest today is Diana Lugoli, I hope I said that right, who's based in Europe as a business coach. She's highly motivated and very positive, but that wasn't always the case, as you will see. Welcome, Diana, to the show. Thank you so much. Whereabouts in the world are you speaking to us from? I am tuning in from Stockholm, Sweden. Hence the lovely accent. <laughs> oh, this is interesting because my accent is actually a mix of seven languages. Wow. Yes, I do speak seven languages. <laughs> Go on then, list them off. Make us all jealous. <laughs> uh, so I am an immigrant kid born in Slovenia to Bosnian parents. So we, I grew up as a bilingual, um, Slovenian and Bosnian. Um, then I had German and English, of course, in my, in my, uh, primary school in high school, I learned Spanish seven years ago. I moved to Sweden. I learned Swedish and my husband is from Albania. So I also learned uh, Albanian. Wow. You could <laughs> hold the Eurovision song contest in your own house. 100%. <laughs> Amazing. Now, before we talk about what you do at the moment in your work as a business coach, I'd like to, if you don't mind, go back, let's say two and a half years ago. How different was your life then to how it is now? Oh, uh, two and a half years ago, rock bottom. Mm. Why? Uh, basically starting my coaching business I've been like online coaching business I've been a business owner for 14 years but different industries uh, I also hold a master degree in business always been an entrepreneur but I was kind of transitioning from one career to another and as an extrovert I felt like that Going into online world would be so, so scary. And I needed to master everything from visibility and all this crazy tech uh, stuff. And I kind of wanted to learn everything very, very fast. And that got me to a point where I was learning so much, consuming all this content, working with a coach and um, applying all the new, new technologies and new information that when I launched my first academy on March, 8th of March, Women International Day, um, I was so drained. I was so energetically um, disconnected from what is my purpose? What am I actually selling? What is my offer that I ended up selling to one person, <laughs> um, which was a failed launch. But I learned that there is no such thing as failure. This was a, a lesson. Now yeah. I see that. <laughs> um, but it got me to thinking where I said, you know, if I'm doing all this stuff, integrating and implementing all this, you know, crazy 
stuff as an online business coach, how can I actually help if I'm being burnout? How can I help my clients not to be burnout and overwhelmed? And I needed to find a way that's going to be easy for me to teach, to implement and also to teach my clients. Um, that led to in May, 2018, um, finding out that my father had a heart attack. He was my inspiration for business. He was also an entrepreneur and um, because he was working so hard and I grew up as a immigrant daughter, you have to work hard, you have to study hard and all this um, good stuff. And I realized that what I was doing was actually copying him, working hard, working 16 hours a day. And I realized that that's not the freedom that I signed up for. Like for me, actually, like being an entrepreneur means freedom. And um, then in June, I had an abortion with my fourth, fourth kid. And that was just a sign that I need to slow down in order to speed up. I took a long summer break, didn't do anything in my business. And um, in August, September 2018, I partnered up with amazing uh, British woman. We opened up uh, a new program, which was basically how to reset yourself, how to develop new habits um, throughout 66 days. And that was the beginning of a new entrepreneurial mindset for myself to work less and to work more effortless. And today, um, yeah, today I work with incredible team of Mind Valley. I'm part of the team of Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins. And it just feels like, um, oh, (laughs) (laughs) this feels freaking amazing. So you learned to work smarter and not harder. Yes. (laughs) So how did you find the way to stop you being overwhelmed with all of Mm -hmm. that information? What was the starting point? I think it's, I was always comparing myself to one, my coach and two with the, you know, social appearance or what is trendy and what is, how do I need to look or what success looks like externally um, instead of like really looking where I am and what is my next best, best step. Uh, so I think that that break gave me really an insight to my to my own being that I need to stop doing so much, but more of a being and what makes me happy. And I also realized what I'm good at is speaking, coaching, training, and all this tech stuff just makes me crazy. So I find out that, you know, I have to do what I do best and just outsource the rest. So I think that was like, you know, going out of the overwhelm, just delegating and outsourcing things that I don't like. So you compartmentalized the things that you didn't need to know fully. Mm -hmm. Um, So what does make you happy? What makes me happy? Well, I would say like, Every day makes me happy just to wake up and to have a mission and to have this awareness that we can be, do and have anything what we desire if we 
if we are clear on what that is, and for me, that means to connecting with people around the world, like with you, Paul, <laughs> having that privilege that we are connected still in this very disconnected world that we are right now gives me that joy, that happiness, that we still are so different, yet um, so connected, and we all can make a difference um, when we respect each other, when we are kind to each other, when we, we serve love. These are the things that really make me happy. And so when clients come to you uh, as a business coach, do they know what they want to get out of it? Yeah, there is like, I primarily coach and mentor uh, online entrepreneurs to launch their digital program, whether that's like one-on-one program, membership, mastermind, um, course, whatever that is. That's always an outcome. Uh, I work primarily with coaches, consultants, um, teachers, educators, and that's always an outcome. That's what they want. Um, and what I say, it's always like I sell them what they want, but I always give them also what they need. And that's a little sparkle of, you know, self-awareness and all this, you can call them woo-woo stuff, but I think that integral part of my business is also mindset and we set up some some foundations how to actually work um even when things are not so positive and not going so okay um to have that grit and perseverance you mentioned um anthony robbins earlier mm-hmm. um and you know, for anybody listening who doesn't know Anthony Robbins, he's well worth looking up. Would you say that um, you you use a lot of the techniques of NLP that Anthony Robbins teaches? Yeah, one hundred percent. Not what he like. He, I think that he is. He developed his own NLP uh, version of you know how he teaches and how he um, use NLP met- methodology. I. I am certified NLP master practitioner. Um, but yes, I would say NLP and just programming is is so crucial. Yeah, 100%. And what do you think the key element that you use in your personal day-to-day life from the world of NLP would be? Mm, very good question. I think would be, I think it would be like self-awareness and how you perceive yourself, like generally the thoughts, your th- how your thoughts actually um, reflect and become reality, being aware, na- aware of what you're thinking. I think that's the, the crucial part that I'm using. So self-awareness. And yeah, being aware of what you're saying to yourself, I think that's the, the key. Like, what, what are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? For example, this is my favorite quote that can, can kind of uh, illustrate this, is whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you are right. And that's uh, Henry Ford says that. And I think that the power of your of your own thoughts and your own language, how you speak to yourself is really, really crucial. Um, how you, how you, how you perceive everything and how you actually do whatever you're doing. Yes. Perception is key. 100%. Two people can perceive the same situation completely differently. Mm -hmm. Going back to two and a half years ago, 
What was your starting point to turn it around in your own head? How did you make that decision, right? I'm overwhelmed. This is what I need to do. I was, I think that at that point I was already using, um, or not using, but uh, I came across law of attraction and I knew that you, you can call it my manifestation law of attraction or law of resistance um, of, you know, whatever these universal laws. I knew that something is telling me that this is not the right way, but I was still like, I was so stubborn and that's not the first sign or the second, the third sign actually gave me, um, that, that is not okay. I was just being overwhelmed by everything, but I was still stubborn and keep like, you know, persevering and keep like not quitting because that was my kind of, uh, upbringing. I was also a middle child and I always needed to fight for attention. And I was always the kid who got picked up and bullied and I always needed to fall down to get myself up. And I thought that's just how it is for me until I realized that has to be a smarter way because I see it. Like I see that people are doing it. Like people it can be just like hustle and grind. It can be, it has to be a smarter way to work. Um, and I think it was a set of, of things that happened that I just said, um, if this is, if this is going to be like this, I don't want to do it. So you basically started with a fresh piece of paper, fresh mm. page and mm -hmm. said, I don't need to persevere just to get where I want to go. I don't have to put in 15-hour days. Let's mm -hmm. start with a blank piece of paper and start again. And I kind of said, you know, yes, exactly. I said, you know, I'm going to take a break and see what is the next step, what what will come for me. And I connected with this woman. Um, we felt uh, so aligned. It was such a magical connection. And we said, let's just, I didn't want to go full in, uh, and just get crazy, but it felt like, you know, I, I, I'm happy. I feel joy when I'm creating with her. And that got me, yes, that it can be fun. Uh, business can be fun, really, if you do it in a way that um, you don't need to burn yourself out. And what type of clients come to you now? Um, so as I said, coaches, online entrepreneurs, like basically people, there are also people who like yoga teachers who have been before this pandemic were working, uh, in studios and, you know, in physical like premises, but now they want to establish their online business. Um, educators, I would say knowledge brokers. Um, yeah, people who have some kind of knowledge and want to teach others. Obviously, being a coach, it's very important for you to be on top form when you're with your clients. So on days when you wake up and you're not maybe on the, your toppest form, what techniques do you use to turn your own head around? Such a great question. Um, I started to, to meditate four years ago. So yeah, 2016. And I think that if I feel a little bit restless and as an entrepreneur, you probably feel that there are like thousands of ideas that go through my mind every single day. 
but it's also I think it's a key for me to just ground myself and just to shut down that that external noise and to just connect with my what am I feeling right now what am I hearing within um so that's definitely one of the most important things when I when I want to just wake up and to serve my clients one of the things that that I'm also implementing um is the just simple question who do I need to be today for my kids for my clients how do I need to show up um and I oftentimes oftentimes I find the the answer within and that gives me just like um that keep how was um guideline um what is my next step for the day mm, that's a, a very novel idea and when you say you feel it within does it sort of just come to you that right that's what i need to be for the next hour um this is really interesting question because if you would ask me like uh, a year ago uh, I'm very left-brainer. I studied economics and entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm driven by numbers. I am very logical. So I kind of always need to see the tangible things. Um, this year, I started to, to tap into intuition. I always believe that intuition is not available, that it, it's not something that is available to me. Um, my mom was highly intuitive. She would always know and sense when I'm, when I'm sad, um, and all this stuff. And I thought, well, well, that's just for some people. They are gifted or talented. They feel it, you know, like you have this gut feeling. I never felt that I have that, but I realized that we all can, um, master that skill of tapping into our intuition. And in April, uh, I started uh, one of uh, Mind Valley programs is Silva Ultra Mind. I'm not sure if, if it's allowed to, to promote it, but this is Absolutely. a program that, yeah. Um, so Silva Ultra Mind is a program that was, um, that is actually uh, developed by Jose Silva, um, late Jose Silva and Vishen Lakiani, who is the founder of uh, Mind Valley. And it teaches you really how to, go into this this deep meditative state where you can hear your inner voice it might sound a little um abstract but when you ask yourself who do i need to be today you will oftentimes hear that voice and you will find an answer within um this is how how i if i can do it i i am most sure that everyone can do it <laughs> And do you think that tough period you had two and a half years ago has brought you out the other side more positive? Oh, 100%. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. Well, thank you, Deanna. It looks like the decisions you made two and a half years ago paid off. So congratulations on that. How do we find you online? Um, so you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm Diana Lugoli on Instagram. I really uh, love behind the scenes and this is my favorite platform right now. You can also check my website. It's uh, dianalugoli.com. Fantastic. Thank you for talking to us today.
Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for your opportunity to be and share a little bit of a spark of positivity. And um, yeah, I hope this will resonate with, with your listeners. I first heard about my next guests on The Daily Show on men's radio stations. You know, the one, the one that isn't daily, but it is fantastic with Phil and Russ. The group is called The Man Gang. And I met up with Andy and Lee to explain more about the group, how they were formed and how they help with motivation and positivity, specifically for men. Welcome to the show, guys. So, Andy, remind us, who are Man Gang and when did it all start? Um, yeah, so the Man Gang started just over a year ago now. Uh, and it was started out of um, out of my own realization that there was no safe spaces for men to talk about mental health or indeed anything that they might be struggling with. Um, and that came from my own my own struggles with with my mental health conditions, which have been going on for a number of years. Uh, and it, it kind of culminated in a, a close friend of mine ending his life by suicide. And whilst I was at his at his funeral. Um, I found myself in a state of confusion as to why, with all the hundreds of people that were around at the, at the funeral, why he thought he couldn't talk about about what he was struggling with. Um, and it's because of the stigma. So we decided to create this this um, safe space for men to come and talk. And where are you based? So we're based physically based in Southampton. Um, right. We've, we've got a few physical venues based around the Southampton area. So we've, we've got um, two coffee shops, one in Romsey, one in Eastleigh, which where we meet and hold our, our weekly meetings. Uh, and we're using a function room of a, the Saints pub um, in Southampton, which we can get lots and lots of men in um, on a weekly basis. And we're still, still able to meet during the lockdown kind of um, times Yeah, um, and observe the social distancing. So so really good stuff. Did you find there was an instant response? Um, no, um, there wasn't. Uh, so the way it started was a kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I'd been prevaricating about starting something like this for quite some time, and I, I put a post on social media asking for um, asking for advice and any top tips and pointers with, with starting a men's peer support group. Um, and I was overwhelmed with negativity. Uh, I really? thought I would, yeah, I thought I was going to get, um, yeah, you're going to be doing a great thing and all this kind of um, praise, if you like. But the, the negative responses that I was getting was things like, um, you don't have any qualifications, you don't, um, the market's swamped, um, nobody will turn up, it's not something that, that men do kind of thing. But in amongst all this, this negativity that I got, um, I had a message from a chap uh, just a really simple message, and it basically said, "I need help." That was wow. that was the, the sum total of his message. Um, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the sofa watching EastEnders with my missus. She was watching EastEnders. I was um, I was fiddling around with social media and stuff. Um, and I looked at her and I said, "Look, can I use the coffee shop tomorrow um, for this men's group?" And she said, "Yeah." And the man gang was born. Nobody turned up that first night. <laughs> um, I sat there on my own wondering if I'd done the right thing. Um, and I, I kind of beat myself up a little bit. I thought, well, I've done it. I've tried it. Um, and I, if I'm totally honest with you, when I went away from there that night, I thought, shall I go back next week? Um, and yeah, a few conversations with myself. 
uh, a little bit of a, a stiff talking to. And yeah, we started the, the very next week and 12 men walked through the door. Wow. So, and it's grown from strength to strength um, since then. And I imagine it's not just physical meetings now because I see you everywhere on social media. Uh, yeah, we, we we try and maintain the physical meetings. That's where the um, that's where the magic really happens. But obviously, lockdowns led us into this this new digital world that we've all been experiencing. Uh, and very early on in lockdown, we we um, we realised we had to keep going because we couldn't just we couldn't just stop it. So we had to adapt really quickly and get onto the the Zoom platform. Yeah. What's your background, Andy? So uh, my my recent background, um, I work as a, a health and safety consultant and trainer, um, specialising in the construction industry. But um, you please please be prepared to laugh. This is a joke. Um, <laughs> I kind of fell into health and safety by accident. <laughs> yeah, it was even with it being primed, it wasn't funny. I'll add the um, symbol on later. <laughs> yeah, even even with that priming, that, that joke never raises a laugh. But no, I, I'm. I spent 22 years in uh, in the British Army, so um, I was a Royal Engineer. That's where um, me and Lee first met each other, uh, and it's due to that connection that we've got Lee on board with the Man Gang right now. How many people do you get regularly coming along? Uh, so we've we've continued the Zoom meetings. So as we came out of lockdown, we were able to start the face to face meetings again because we've got people like Lee who's joining us from Mexico. We've got guys from all over the country. We continued with the Zoom meetings. We we get up to about twenty or thirty guys on there some sometimes, um, and we get about twenty guys turning up for the for the face to face meetings as well. And is the setup uh, sort of formal, like a sort of like a like you would at sort of a AA where you all talk in one, or is it more social or both? It's it's a mixture of both. Um, I need to point out at, at this kind of juncture that that we're nothing like the AA. Sure. Um, when we don't have we don't have a, a program as it were. I know the AA and the other anonymous kind of um, organisations they run on the, the twelve steps programs. We kind of we kind of align to, to some of it, but we, we don't have a, um, a structure in place. Whatever whatever goes, whatever gets said, we kind of gauge the the conversations of an evening um, and just see where it leads us. Yeah, in an open discussion. Absolutely open discussion. Um, we pride ourselves on our confidentiality. Um, we have certain certain ground rules in place. Um, there's some off limit off limits topics that we don't discuss. Yeah. So you won't you won't ever find a discussion about politics or religion um, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And we also we also don't discuss any of the um, any of the mechanics of like un- unhealthy coping strategies because that could that could become hints and tips for guys that are looking for for other ways of dealing with their, their, their issues and things. Right. And is there a common trait amongst people who come along, or is it very broad? I, I tell you what, um, Paul, you wouldn't believe the cross-section of male society that we get in these rooms on a weekly basis. <laughs> um, so the first the first meeting that we held when the 12 guys um, walked in through that door, uh, we had a full cross-section of society, ranging from a, an ex-professional footballer um, to bank managers, to builders, to teenagers, uh, well, teenagers, so 18, 18 plus, um, young guys, old guys, and everything in between. It, it, it's phenomenal. And it, it fills me with so much warmth 
when I see um, a guy that you would look at him and you would think he's like so successful in life. He drives a Range Rover. He's been at the top of his game. He's been like a managing director and all that kind of stuff. And he's sitting there and he's, he's deep in conversation with the security guard. And yeah. Those kind of people don't move in the same circles normally, but to see them supporting each other through through troubling times is um, is absolutely phenomenal. And I know you said the motivation was because of your friend who took his life, but have you found this has helped your mental health just as much? Oh, absolutely. It's so cathartic. So, so cathartic. Getting in there and um, the old adage of a problem shared being a problem halved is absolutely um, brilliant. Um and it fits so well with this group. One of the things when you're struggling with, with depression, when you're struggling with anything uh, in the, with your mental health, is you feel like you're the only one struggling with it. The world kind of closes in. Uh, a lot of the kind of character traits will come out in that you push away your your family, your friends, the people that really matter to you, and you try and muddle, muddle through it on your own. Uh, and it's just one of the one of the significant kind of um, challenges of living with a mental health condition. But with, with this group, what we do is, because um, we're on every week, um, twice a week, so we provide that little glimmer of hope. So even if nothing goes right for somebody in that seven days in between the meetings, they've still got that, that, that light shining in the darkness to, um, to hopefully, hopefully keep, them, keep them focused. It's a fantastic idea. I'm so glad it works because I think it's vital. How difficult do people find it to open up or... Is it like a sigh of relief? I can finally open up. You can you can witness the guys growing um, as they start as they start listening to the other the other guys. So we start every meeting with an introduction. Yeah, we'll go around the room. Um, we kind of break the ice by getting the guys to read out the um, the ground rules, so they get to hear their voice in that room to start off with. Mm-hmm. And then um, whoever's facilitating, they'll pick on one of the pick on that's the wrong word to use they'll, they'll select one of the, the more seasoned kind of um, guys somebody that's been to a meeting before um, and we just ask a simple question who are you now when you um, when you ask that question in a in a professional setting you're going to get kind of stock answers you're going to get somebody's name yeah uh, you might get what their job role is um, and if you're lucky they might tell you whether they're married and got kids kids or not but that's, that's not telling you who they are that's telling you what they do um, and what their position in life is. So we, we, we reframe that que- question and ask, who, who are you right in this moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try and put a, put a mood score onto it. So we put a numerical kind of mood score. We keep records of these mood scores. And usually we, when we check out of the meeting, those mood scores have risen by one or two notches. Yeah. Which is what it's all about. Absolutely. I'm just wondering, this year has been harder on most people than any other year has have you noticed that those scores have gone down uh no they've probably gone the other way right <laughs> they've probably gone the other way amongst the um the guys that are coming in so with the new members the, the guys that have joined us in in more recent times what i have noticed and when i've been crunching the the, the data that i collect um and all i collect is the numbers i don't keep any um names or anything like that when I've been looking at the, the data of when the guys have been arriving, they've generally got a lower initial score. Yeah. Um, but then after two, two, three weeks, sometimes, sometimes as quickly as that within the within the groups, they're, they're turning up a notch every every week. Uh, it's before long, they 
be regularly reporting like an eight out of 10, 10 score. So probably what I should have said is, have you noticed there's more interest in your group this year? Yeah, we get new members every week. Yeah. New members every single week. Um, I'm constantly, um, constantly getting requests on, on, on social media and people inquiring about, um, about what the group does and can we, can we send, can we send a friend of ours? Can we send a family member? Um, but interestingly, a lot of, a lot of it, a lot of the inquiries are coming from, from females, from women. Right. Which, um, was something I didn't, I didn't quite expect. I thought, I thought it would just be men engaging with us at the beginning, but no, there's a lot of support and a lot of inquiries from, um, from females. It's women that are, are worried about their partners perhaps, or a man in their life. These are the people again in touch. Uh, Lee, how do you fit into the group? Uh, how I fit in? Well, I was I was welcomed by uh, my brother from another mother, Andy, <laughs> who I, I know from my time in the Royal Engineers in the British Army. And he asked me, you know, we got involved, we got talking again, and he asked me if I'd, I'd like to come along and, and, and join. So I said, absolutely, I'd love to explore, you know, what this concept is all about. And... I can tell you wholeheartedly after the first um, session that we did on Zoom, I was kind of intoxicated and mesmerized by the power and the stories that were being shared um, within this platform by some men who had some kind of monumental challenges in their life. So naturally, I'm this kind of positive guru, if you want to put it in, in that um, line. And I think naturally, then I kind of then started doing a lot of positivity uh, discussions in the, in the Zoom calls that we do um, every week, because we have one every week. And I think what you know, myself and Andy were talking in the background, and Andy said to me, "Look, would you, you know, like to you know, kind of do these positive talks? You know, be motivational for for the guys." Um, and you know, it's it's a very careful conversation because you don't want to be too over the top, and you don't want to be derogatory to the stories that you're being told. You've got to be extremely sensitive. So I was concerned at the beginning that I wasn't too over the top because I love to be positive and I really love to empower and inspire others. I've always loved being a leader and I'd love the concept of a, a strong leader that, that, that forges from the front. So in essence, every call I do positivity, I listen to the guys and I've harnessed the power of listening because it's wonderful. And as Andy has, has said on numerous occasions, what we're trying to do is, is get these gentlemen to speak, right? And, 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 and the catchphrase and, and, and the hashtag that we use is it's not weak to speak. So what we're trying to do is, is advocate that strength inside of all of these wonderful gentlemen. And as Andy you know, stated again, that these chaps are extremely broken men, yet they've gone on this wonderful journey. And you can now see individual leaders that have come to the forefront within Mangang, which is just magical 
you know, to watch all of this inf- unfold in front of your eyes. So for me, um, I don't genuinely suffer too much, even though I had a strong military career. I, I, I went out to Iraq as a contractor, so I experienced a lot of kind of crisis and uh, crises and atrocities in my life. Yet, I'd like to think, and I would never take it away from these guys and say, hey, you know, I've got just as bad challenges as you, because that would be totally wrong of me. So what we, what we try and do, or specifically myself, is I really just try and lift them up. I really try and take them on a journey of positivity, and I get them to look at you know, what they would call as a problem or a dark, you know, a dark time as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And how are they going to overcome that hurdle? And how can they start implementing good habits? Yeah, really starting off basic, like things like asking them, hey, guys, do you make your bed first thing in the morning? And a lot of them will actually say to you, well, no, we don't. So I would then say, hey, that is the first place that you need to start. If you start creating good habits, then you're going to enable better habits throughout the day. And again, it's basically taking the day and breaking it down, even if it's second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, uh, to really approach whatever obstacle or challenges that they've got in front of them. So you're the motivator and Andy's the listener. It's a great combination to have. I'm interested personally to both of you. If you're having a bad day, how do you lift yourself up? Um, I'll tackle that one first. I think that through through the Man Gang, again, we've created what we would call a buddy-buddy system. And there are certain people within the Man Gang that come to you. But also what they do is they give you a support network as well. So if you are going through a challenge in time, then you may reach out to one of those. And you know, I, I know I can also speak with Andy. So if Andy's going through a challenge in time, and I know that the way that Andy approaches you know, certain things in his life is that if I can see Andy going through troubles, I would just message him and say, hey, I'm here to listen if you want. I never push or pressurize on him on that specifically. Um, but going back to specific, the, the specific question you asked, I have a lot of resources, mechanism, you know, control elements in my life where I'm able to manage if I, if, if I am consumed with negativity. But because I kind of surround myself in this positive light and I have a lot of positivity you know, eclipsing me on a daily basis, then if I, if I am negative, I can usually shrug it off maximum within an hour and then I'm moving forward again I would challenge anybody and this will sound strange to a lot of people is you need to harness the power of learning to love failure and the power of the growth that goes on through that process once you can understand that failing and failure and making mistakes is actually a good thing and a learning process that is when you, you start to be able to get these resources to manage these dark thoughts. Totally agree. We, we were talking to somebody the other day about no such thing as failure, just different outcomes and trying to eliminate that thought process. Andy, what's your first port of call if you're having an off day? So um, 
background to my condition. So I, I was um, I was diagnosed in two thousand and eight with um, bipolar affective disorder. But what um, what that, that that basically means is that um, I go through periods where I have intense lows, so um, intense depressive episodes. Uh, then I plateau for a little bit, where I call what I call normal jogging, um, and then I go go into these periods of intense highs. Um, I love them. <laughs> they're um, they're fantastic. I'm at my most creative. I'm unstoppable. Um, but people around me probably wouldn't say the same things. It's also when I'm at my most dangerous kind of kind of state um, because I I really can't can't switch off. So my good days and bad days differ from normal people's good days and bad days. Yeah. Um, because of the cyclic nature of my condition, I know now that I can get through each of these dark periods. Um, so I know that I've just got to sit with it. I've just got to let it be what it's what it's being, and I've just got to get through get through the day. Um, perhaps because of my military training, because perhaps because of the world that I was kind of brought up in, um, I'm very adept at putting this mask on. So I'm still able to function through the depressive stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I kind of do is, uh, is yeah, I over-egg the pudding almost and become very, very loud, very boisterous, very, um, yeah, very, very out there, if you like, very forthright. But my problems, my, my darkest problems, they all happened um, in the years between my diagnosis and in between uh, and my friend taking his life. And the reasons were because I never accepted that there's anything wrong with me. I never accepted that this was happening to me. I was just like, deal with it when it gets here. Um, what, I, what I've done in recent years, so over the last two or three years now, I've, I've developed this, this strategy where I look for a silver lining in absolutely everything that happens to me. Yeah, and I can find, I can make a silver lining out of everything. So for example, um, I attempted to take my own life in 2012 um, after I left the army and couldn't get a job and various things happened. I, I felt like I was a burden. Now I call that my successful suicide attempt. Normally when, when somebody completes the act of suicide, that's, that's a successful attempt, but there's no success in ending, ending your life. The reason that's become my successful suicide attempt is because it's given me a, a firm kind of foundation to, to rebound off. I've, I've, I've been sinking in the bottom of that pool my feet have touched the solid ground at the bottom and I've bounced up ready to come and break the surface and, uh, and, and get that life-giving air back into my lungs again. So that's, um, that's one, of, one of the examples. Um, the silver lining from my friend's suicide, if he hadn't killed himself, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, Paul, yeah. because the man gang wouldn't have come into fruition because I wouldn't have identified a need for it. So... Um, there's a silver lining. There's a silver lining that I take away from from my friend's suicide. Yeah, um, and that those are things that I I um, I kind of use to get through get through daily life. Um, yeah, I, 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 and I put kind of I kind of throw my faith into the into the universe, if you like. Um, I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that there is a reason for everything. Can't always see the can't always see it at the time, but. Um, it usually has a habit of working itself out. You took the words right out of my mouth, actually, when, I, when you said everything happens for a reason, because uh, I was about to say that myself. And the examples you've just spoken about illustrate that wholeheartedly. I guess the hardest step for anybody is coming along to that first meeting or making that first call to you guys. 
It is, yeah, yeah. Um, and we identified that. So on the first meeting, I did, I, I, um, where I said nobody turned up, I actually found out at a later date that the um, the initial guy that sent that I need help message, he did turn up and he drove past the coffee shop five times. Yeah. And he, he was so anxious he couldn't make that um, that first step. So what we um, what we started doing very early on was waiting outside the coffee shop. Um, we would stand outside. Um, there'd be three or four blokes maybe milling about outside. And then if a man walked past um, or was was looking in our direction kind of thing, we'd ask them, say, have you come here for the man gang? Um, if they say, no, what's the man gang all about? Then we'd tell them and maybe they'd join anyway. Um, and if they said, yeah, that's what I'm here for, then the arm went round the shoulder and we would take that first step together. Brilliant idea. Do you find that people who have you know, been coming along for you know a year have stuck around even though their mental health has vastly improved? Uh, so we we do get we do get some guys that will come along um, and we we make it clear that they, we we're not expecting commitment from these guys. They don't have to register. They don't have to sign up and pay subs and turn up every week or they're kicked out of the club or anything. They can come to to the Mangang meetings. They can sit and listen. They can do what they want in the meetings. They don't have to get involved. Um, and if they find that they've got what they need from us after after a couple of weeks, then absolutely fine. Um, all we ask is that they let us know if they're if they're they're not coming back for for good reasons, basically. And Lee, when you when you're going in with motivation and positivity techniques, um, are there are specific things you've found that get people talking. I, I think if you start with what Andy was suggesting earlier, if you get the gents to really open up, that's when you get the momentum in the conversation. And then what I do is is I will kind of empower them to speak. So when I go through these positivity moments, what I love, I love audience interaction. I don't want it to be a point where it's just seen as me and this is my kind of space to, to talk for 10 minutes. What I want to do is I want to empower that positivity through everybody. And it's quite interesting because myself and Andy have had this conversation afterwards. If, if I really kind of go into you know, positivity, structured speak, and kind of shine the light on the motivational elements and, and, and the power of the growth is the the gentleman on the call well just their their eyes are piercing you can see the the concentration and you know the the overwhelming sense of you know, kind of the achievement that we're that we're spreading and we're kind of advocating and enabling and then the proof in the is in the pudding for me because we have a closed WhatsApp group where we, you know, talk to each other every day where you can, you know, communicate if you've got any challenges, any successes, and that's great. And what you'll find is a lot a lot of the times after those either in-person meetings at the Saints Pub in Southampton or the virtual Zoom calls, you'll then get some euphoric messages submitted within that WhatsApp group saying, Thank you so much for everything that was said tonight. Thank you for everything that, that the, the support that you gave to me. Um, you know, I feel in, in a real magical place. We've seen from the people that have been within the group for about a year now, how you know, the, the massive strides of progress that, that, that they've made. 
And they're what now becoming leaders, or if you want to phrase it like this, poster childs within the group that people are looking to for inspiration because you're getting new members and then they're talking to the members that have been there for a year or so, you know, if you want to say seasoned group members, and they're seeing the success of how they've coped with their challenges. Um, and it really is a kind of successful message. So for me, in terms of the structure of the positivity, I try to make it as, as kind of free-flowing and you know, really, I don't want it to make it controlled. I don't want it to look like it's staged um, and that I have this pre-scripted speech because that's not what it is. I really love to empower it. And I also like then to get the other people within the group to showcase their own positivity because it's massive. When you start showering people with positivity, you may find a naturally negative person all of a sudden is speaking in a positive frame of mind. So then for me, I can then take, take a step backwards as the positivity guru and I can let that individual flow because for me, that is the whole point and that is the biggest reward that I can have from someone that's sharing this positivity to see one of those members then take up that mantle and run positively in that meeting. Again, it's a beautiful and powerful moment. Yeah, I imagine it is because uh, I imagine you get quite a few surprises in your meetings as well. Yeah, I mean, you do. And, and, and let's, you know, let's put it out there is that there are some extremely challenging conversations. And this is where like the likes of Andy will kind of steer it in certain ways, but not shut down that person that's trying to share their stories because there are some really tough conversations. And again, we always want to advocate that it is that safe space. And, you know, we, we may have times where people get that emotional that they break down in tears. And then that certain person will then say, sorry, I apologize for that. Well, the likes of myself and Andy will jump straight in and say, Hey, don't ever apologize for that. We want you to do that. We want you to get to that state because, again, that's part of the healing process. We need for them to really let loose, to feel that they can share their deepest, darkest thoughts with us because otherwise, if we don't enable that, then they're going to get consumed and it's going to start controlling them in a negative manner. So the stories... The journeys that we go on are just phenomenal. And for me, I always want to empower every single person in that group to speak. I really do. For me, to get them there, and we've had some, some, some members in the group who genuinely don't like to talk, who are not very self-confident, and then I look at them now, and they've turned into leaders, which again, is showcasing the power of the story and the successes within Man Game. Amazing. Have you had any feedback from professionals in mental health as to what you're doing? I'll let Andy answer that one. Um, yeah, we've had a few, a few little interactions, um, particularly from like the, the, the NHS and stuff. And it, we seem to get the, the, the kind of impression that what we're doing shouldn't be working. Um, 
that that indeed was the was the kind of um, the thoughts that I was picking up on at the early stages. What seems to be happening now, though, is that the um, the NHS, universities, and stuff, because there is so much being spoken about mental health and it's being pushed from all all directions in all society. The, the powers that be now seem to be sitting up and listening and seeing seeing just how fantastic the work that, that these peer support groups are, are doing for men. Um, because they, they, they often believe that we shouldn't be working. It shouldn't it shouldn't work the way that it does, but it does. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure anybody re- really knows the reason why. Um, I, I watched a I watched a really good documentary by Brené Brown, who studied um, how this kind of thing works. Um, and, and she was talking all about sharing vulnerabilities. It actually empowers that person and makes them stronger. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what um, one of the things that that happened to me. So I mentioned earlier on that I was a health and safety consultant and trainer, um, and I would I'd, I'd been off work um, for about six months. I'd been off off work with my mental health conditions. Uh, that was a period of time when my friend committed suicide, and um, whilst I was away, the accrediting body for the courses that I was teaching they'd slip mental health into the uh, into the um, kind of syllabus for the courses that I was teaching. So now we now we, what we've got is health and safety trainers that are normally going around doing risk assessments and things like that with no qualifications in the field of mental health, preaching to builders and preaching to everybody in industry about the importance of, of health and mental health being as equally important as physical health, and we've got to start doing things about it. But a lot of them used to shy away from or getting involved in it. I decided one day on, on one of these um, courses that I had a bit of spare time. And for whatever reason, I still don't know what made me do it, but I'm so glad that it happened. I decided to go go rogue and um, go off the syllabus and basically tell these these guys my story. Right. And, um, yeah, there's no nothing professional about it. There's nothing... Um, you can't put the term professional in the same sentence as telling a group of um, professional people about how you were going to end your life. You can't, you can't, it just doesn't work. It's, it's for want of a better phrase, it is, it is like committing career suicide. So anyway, I did it. Um, and I remember, I remember talking um, really openly, really frankly uh, about my whole situation. And the, the talk probably lasted for about half an hour. I remember thinking during that that time, these blokes are going to—they're going to own you after this. They're going <laughs> to throw things at you. They are going to ridicule you. They're going to—you've lost any respect that they had for you. That's all gone out of the window. And it was that bad. I, I sat there and um, I was moving closer to the door so I could have a quick escape, <laughs> um, so I could get away from these these guys because I really didn't know what the situation was that I put myself in. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I positioned myself by the door. I'd been crying. I was a snotty mess in front of these these guys. And I was expecting to run away and not see them for the next half an hour while we had, had lunch break. So I didn't get lunch break that day. I didn't get an afternoon tea break that day. And I stayed in work for an extra hour afterwards just chatting to these blokes. Because what I'd done was shared this story. I'd held a mirror up to them. Yeah. And they, they'd recognized the symptoms and things. Now... When you go and see a professional 
psychotherapist, you go and see a professional psychiatrist and stuff like that. Do you connect with them? Can you, can you connect with the people on the level that you need to, or do you, do you just nod your head in the right right spaces? And I think this is the, where we have the power over over the professionals. I'm not saying that we should get rid of all the trained psychiatrists and psychologists and all that kind of thing. There's absolutely a place for all of them. But what we can do in the, these peer support groups is start the ball rolling. We can lessen this stigma, and we can we can create the relationships. We can create. Um, we can create almost the, the the power of being vulnerable so that it doesn't come as a shock when you have to go and speak to, I don't know, an occupational health psychiatrist or something. Couldn't agree more. I think when you go and see a professional, there's more of a wall in front of you. You're going to nod in the right places and give them the answers you think they want to hear. But when you're talking socially to somebody on the same level as you, it's sort of, you know, I'll show you mine, you show me yours. Um, and you open up because you've got a empathetic bond. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't know if you agree with me. This year, everybody is talking about mental health because of the restrictions that have been placed on anybody and saying, oh, it's really important to keep an eye on everybody's mental health. But there's nowhere for people to go, apart from places like yourself. Yeah, um, and that's that, that, that's one of the reasons. I mean, we've, we're being really positive about our kind of growth strategy. We've we've seen we've seen the um, effects we've had um, on a small group of men, a small demographic of men within within Southampton, um, the Southampton kind of area. Um, and we we, we want to spread that. We want to get ourselves out across um, across Hampshire, basically by by the time we're two. Um, COVID's doing its best to derail us, but. Um, we will, we will be getting well established, and um, hopefully, we'll get the same results. I, don't, I say hopefully, we will get the same results everywhere we go, um, because because men are the same everywhere we go. We're, we're, we're fundamentally the same kind of kind of being. So if it works in Southampton, it's going to work in um, it's going to work in Andover. It's going to work in Aldershot. It's going to work all the way across the county. So tell us how people get in touch with you. Um, so yeah, um, we've got a website, um, mangang.co.uk. Um, all the contact details are on there, so you can drop us a line at info at mangang.co.uk. Uh, we're on all the social media channels um, as Mangang UK. Uh, so we've got a, a Facebook page where we we post updates about our meetings. There's a messenger tab on the Facebook page, so you can get in, in touch with us that way. Um, phone numbers are on the websites and stuff, and yeah, anybody is welcome to get to drop in and give us a chat, uh, have a chat with us. The registration links for the Zoom meetings are always posted on uh, a Saturday or a Sunday, um, and all the details are on there, yeah. And can you join those Zoom meetings from anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world? Um, Lee, where are you right now, mate? Yeah, that's a great point. Anywhere in the world, we have right now Mexico, Canada, Gibraltar. We're even, we've even got interest from the African continent at the moment. So there is the answer to that question. Right. So although you're thinking physically Hampshire by age two, you're already global and anybody can go to the website and join you from anywhere in the world. Absolutely, because men are men wherever we are. Fantastic. Lee, Andy, it's been an honour. I wish you every success and I hope we can chat again uh, and see how you're getting on. I'd Thanks love so that. much. Thank you, Paul. 
packed show today then. Only time for me to say, don't forget to get in touch with the show on social media. And until next time, be positive.